Hi everyone and welcome to episode 12 of the FFS show, a podcast about misinformation and fact-checking by The Ferret. I am your host Ali Bryan and now that Mags isn't here it's just me on my own on this week's podcast. So what have we got coming up? I've been looking into a statement by the Labour MP Don Butler. She made a number of different allegations that Boris Johnson had lied to Parliament, so we had a look at the evidence behind the claims. We also have the second part of my interview with Peter Gagan, in which we talk about the links between COVID misinformation and dark money. Dawn Butler made five statements which she claimed were lies by Boris Johnson. The first of which was about the economy. She said, The Prime Minister says the economy has grown by 73%. It is not true. This comes from uh, Boris Johnson answering a question at PMQs in January 2020. He said, quote, The economy under this Conservative government has grown by 73%. We know that measuring the economy is quite a complex task um, and there are different factors in play, but the most cited metric for uh, economic growth is gross domestic product or GDP. That's the total value of all the goods and services produced in a country. If we take it, Conservative government in broad terms, we could say the Conservatives have been in power at Westminster since 2010. Between then and 2019, the last year before Johnson made the statement, GDP had increased by only 20%. So to reach the 73% growth figure he mentioned, we'd have to measure from 1993. So in this case, Don Butler was right to say that what Boris Johnson had said was false. The second statement that Butler cited was one about the nursing bursary in England. She claimed, the Prime Minister says that he has reinstated nursing bursaries. Just not true. The Prime Minister made this claim in March 2020 during PMQs again. NHS nurses bursaries in England were initially scrapped in 2017 as part of the Conservative government's austerity measures. Students which were, who were previously on bursaries were then moved into the regular student loan system. In 2019, Boris Johnson's government announced a new payment to nursing students of at least £5,000 per year, with a maximum of £8,000 paid to eligible students. However, this doesn't really replicate the bursary that was in place, uh, in which NHS student nurses were given a full bursary prior to the cut in 2017. And students will still get themselves into debt as part of the student loans repayment system. It's just they're getting a part of their fees paid for. Another part of Butler's claim was about Boris Johnson's statement on the Track and Trace COVID app. In June 2020, Johnson said, quote, It would be great to have an app, but no country currently has a functioning track and trace app. Boris Johnson was wrong on this. At the time, there were a number of countries around the world who had functioning apps, including Australia, New Zealand, Norway, Singapore and India. Next, Butler took the Prime Minister to task for his claims over funding for the NHS. She said, the Prime Minister says that the Tories invested £34 billion in the NHS. Not true. Boris Johnson made this claim in June 2020. He said, quote, The government are engaged in record investments in the NHS of £34 billion. He made this claim in Parliament and in interviews and promotional material, and it's pretty much correct if we're talking about cash terms. However, the figure that he cited does not account for inflation, so what's called the real terms amount is significantly lower. This is important as the amount that the NHS needs to operate at the same level increases as the cost of providing services increases. So investment in the NHS needs to be adjusted to take account of this inflation. 
When adjusted for inflation, this £34 billion investment turns into around £20.5 billion. We should note that this funding is not directly for Scotland, as health spending is devolved to Holyrood. So this will only really apply in England. However, it will have consequences for Scotland's budgets in future through the Barnett formula, which adjusts Scottish budgets as a proportion of UK government spending. The final Boris Johnson statement that Butler took issue with was much more recent and was about the impact the vaccines were having on reducing the number of deaths from COVID-19. Johnson's statement came from PMQs on 7th of July 2021. He said, quote, Scientists are also absolutely clear that we have severed the link between infection and serious disease and deaths. The COVID-19 vaccines are effective at reducing or eliminating the symptoms of COVID-19 in most people. But like any vaccine, it's not 100% effective. So it's not true that there's no longer a link between getting COVID-19 and getting seriously ill or dying. However, the number of people getting seriously ill from COVID has significantly reduced since the pandemic's peak. While most UK adults have now had their first jab, there's still a significant proportion of the country who hasn't had their second, so they're still at risk from catching COVID-19 and experiencing severe symptoms. Join the Ferret for just £3 a month. Go to theferret.scot forward slash subscribe. Now it's time for the second part of my interview with Open Democracy's Peter Gagan. We discussed the links between Trump, COVID-19, 5G and Brexit. It is very interesting to see in general how, you know, Leave Remain starts to map on to this mask, anti-mask uh, world. And I felt like there's, you know, mm-hmm. and it come, I think there was a lot of, it actually showed it doesn't take a huge amount of money, but also there's there's perverse uh, incentives that go on as well like the kind of grifting basically you see the likes of david ike then going further and further to the extreme because actually their mad ground has been taken by others so they're pushing pushing further and that i think is the one of the most kind of terrifying aspects of it and there's certainly plenty of money to be made in it i i have no doubt so it's a kind of unholy constellation of people who do believe the things they're saying but are also then becoming financially incentivized to do it and in which you don't need a huge amount of money to make a big difference because often people are looking for this counter you know they do take advantage of media's wanting for an an alternative opinion etc 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 even though you know even no matter where that's coming from so i think that to me and I think it's fed into a lot of where we are now. I think there's massive mistrust yeah. society societally about where we are. You know, we're now speaking almost 18 months into the pandemic and, you know, I think or 15, 16, you know, and I think there's a huge sense of like almost societal ennui about this because we don't really know. And I think that's that information warfare side of it, I think, has been really you know important and, and quite it's. And quite grim to see as well. Tires people out, isn't it? I think it's exhausting. Oh yeah, and people, yeah. you know, it's fine for the likes of me and you who are well versed in these things and how to spot them. But for those who aren't, it's it's actually very difficult. Do you know how many times have any of us heard I saw it on Facebook? Yeah, well, I think that's interesting with with these things as well. You refer to people like David Icke. We talked about David Icke. I've interviewed uh, David Gilbert, who writes about QAnon, um, and just the way that these things evolve. So conspiracy theorists, sort of, your David Icke's are committed conspiracy theorists who he'll jump on the next thing. So COVID-19 is great for him, as is QAnon is great for him. You know, these are just things that you can connect to the previous thing to connect the previous thing. But what's really interesting, as you say, is how these things track with more mainstream political viewpoints. So it's the way that Trump 
you know, Trump, Trumpism is connected to QAnon and then he sort of gives them legitimacy. QAnon is then, then connected to 5G, which is then connected to <laughs> COVID, which is then connected and then it connects to vote leave. And then you see how these things sort of, how these things connect. And it's the kind of the public that are the victims. And I mean, people who are maybe susceptible to believing in certain conspiracy theories, then they're being played by these powerful interests who are marshalling people towards various culture, cultural kind of endpoints. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, and and they've got a bunch of different, you know, and they don't. It, that's why I think the Brexit thing is really interesting to follow to see this afterwards because it's a similar process in some ways. It's not necessarily everyone sharing the same goal, but often mm. sharing uh, enough of an overlap in worldviews, enough yeah. of a Venn diagram, even though those, you know, that Venn diagram can have rapidly, very radically different aspects to it. And I think, and and you know, and that's the thing. The enemy, you know, the enemy of my enemy becomes my friend. Um, yeah. And all these, like I was talking about, these various perverse incentives start to take hold as well. So and I think, as you said, COVID was really the perfect storm. And like, I've got friends in places like the Institute for Strategic um, uh, Dialogue who've done great work looking at how this world happens. But I think also I've, what you can see too is that like, you know, there's, there's coordinate, you know, there's also like, at a, you know, outside of the world of Telegram and stuff, I think it's quite clear as well. You can see that there's small numbers of like minded people coordinating. And that's what I think is so interesting with the Brexit parallel and to really change the narrative. And I think without that, like, you know, I saw the other day when Sajiv Javid took became the health secretary, the COVID recovery group tweeted, you know, like, welcome aboard, Sajiv, you know, and, yeah. he, and, that, and I think you, I really believe this. I think like one one event that I've looked at a lot, I've written about it a little bit, was a meeting that happened in September uh, 2020 in Downing Street between um, uh, Tegnell, who Anders Tegnell, who was the head, head epidemiologist in Sweden, um, Sunitra Gupta um, and Carl Hennigan and mm-hmm. Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak and it was after that meeting we know that Boris Johnson decided not to lock down and you know on the, on the aftermath of that that was which started a huge huge second wave that I think we've almost become inured to the sheer size and scale of and he yeah. was being told not to and there's a huge, there's a very interesting question there like how did these people get access to government who yeah. decided these people and I know from FOI I cannot get a word out on this it's all uh, the formulation of government policy it can't be released and I think it's a really interesting these are these are real in the same way as Brexit small people small purposeful groups it's actually the point of my entire book Small purposeful groups with small amounts of money can change the world. Yeah. And um, I think, as you say, what it kind of all ties back to is lack of transparency and that being the kind of killer here, because as you, when you're, when you're getting bounced back to your FOIs, uh, it's the same lack of transparency that means that people can get this access and we don't know about it. That's the same lack of trans- transparency that big groups can pay money or, or can build online advertising campaigns that we won't find out about and well i'm sort of going to wrap things up with a question after this sort of quite getting to a point of almost complete depression with (laughs) what what we always like to do on this podcast is talk about what the public can do because it's rather than it being a sort of hopeless uh situation we're very much a solutions-based journalism group um so what sort of in what ways can the public protect themselves and kind of um, inure themselves from these campaign groups, influencing them and influencing people they know? I would say this, obviously, as a journalist, but I do Mm. think, like now more than ever, the importance of quality um, journalism, I think, has almost never been greater. I think it's why, you know, I work for Open Democracy, the Ferret is a quality outlet. 
there's a lot of, you know, I read the Financial Times, I read mm-hmm. the Guardian, I read the Economist, I read the London Review of Books, you know, quality news sources. And one, one of the concerns I guess I actually have is, as, as you know, there's loads of reasons why we have one too, the Ferret. As things become paywalled, actually, it becomes harder to get quality news, even than yeah. five years ago. You know, it, it is harder and harder to be able, and there's a reason why we do this. We need to pay for our journalism. But I, there's, a, there's an issue there, I think, too, in terms of like, mass access to quality information to high quality information because i'm really struck when i talk to people who've gone down the rabbit hole you know say friends or friends of friends yeah like and they point they send you news articles and you're like but look at this this is like the headline doesn't even match what's in the story there's it says yeah. that some someone said something there isn't a quote like this is not you know there's a kind of base and i don't i hate going back to media literacy literacy because i don't think that's the answer to everything but i think there is definitely a questionnaire about media literacy um but i also think you know in terms of like making things like transparency and access to information something that people care about i think is really important you know and showing that you do like so and i'm i'm, I'm i do get hurt and so recently at open democracy we we've been running a survey on uh, foi and people's experience of accessing information and if you told me you're going to run a, uh, a survey on access to information um how many people would fill it in you know i would have said you know 50 100 we've had four and a half thousand people fill in our survey wow. access to information which is huge um and i think yeah. that's great it's massive and so i do think there is like there is a there is a weight in numbers with this you know looking out for like-minded people looking out to try and support not just journalism but other organizations are trying to bring this making it something that if you know if you're talking to your local council your local politician you're talking about you're caring about you're showing that you you know you frankly give a fuck about these things yeah you know and i think that is really important because i think at the moment there is a sense in which it's a free hit you know nobody really thinks about it i think yeah you're right i think covid's really interesting uh, as another aspect of that because quite often the fact checking work that we do it's going to cut across with people who are politically engaged it's going to cut across with people who are interested in the kind of cut and thrust of politics they're interested in what's you know what political parties say but people are fact checking and looking for quality news sources about COVID. Like everybody is doing that because it affects everybody and everybody is, you know, particularly at the start of the pandemic, I was getting, you know, 20, 30 suggestions a day from friends of people saying, I've seen this thing. Is it true? Because everybody was in a situation where they had to, they couldn't, they couldn't get away with just like, you know, not being engaged. So I think in a way there's, there's a kind of positivity around that in that people are being forced to really reckon with where they get their information from. Yes, I think there's, I th- and I think it, there is, yeah, there's, I think for, for like a large number, I think for a significant number of people, that's been really helpful. I think the, the, the concern in some ways is that so many people have gone the other way. And, yeah, and, well, I, think this, and I think that's, that's definitely something I'm, con- I does concern me, you know, and I think that's, it's almost the flip side. And I think it's like, you know, in some ways as well, is it, there's an element of like looking out for other people around you. Do you know, and like, yeah. you know, they're asking, like, well, where is this person at then? You know, where, where are they getting their information? You know, somebody close to me, my family recently was like, you know, I'm not taking a vaccination. And the first thing I yeah. said, the first question I had wasn't like, do take it. Here's a bunch of literature. It was actually like, where do you get your information? Yeah. What do you see? It's Instagram mainly that this person was. What are you seeing on Instagram? What are you following? And I think that's the thing. Seeing this as part of a, of a package it's not just one issue or one small thing here it's actually often part of a wider wider like information ecosystem as someone slipped into yeah and also being as you say being 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 sort of mindful and also i think when you're talking to people in those situations you've talked about um this in the past in the podcast being kind of caring and being open and also being aware that even you know that i've been taken in by things online 
in, oh, within I have the last two. year. Oh, <laughs> like, I've, I've, since, I've been doing I, this I've for years now. I've retweeted stuff and <laughs> yeah, someone's I've gone. Turns out, you know, no, completely, completely. Oh, no, no, totally. Oh, yeah, do not be... And one of the things I always do, if I ever do something, and actually I try and do it in general anyway, on um, on the internet, just put my hand up and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you know, totally. I, I made a mistake there. We're all human. Don't double yeah. down. That's all for this week's podcast. Thanks everyone for listening and thanks to Peter Gagan for his insights. Remember, if you want to get in touch about this podcast, you can. You can email us at factcheckattheferret.scot. You can get in touch by Twitter at ferretscot or by searching for The Ferret on Facebook. We really appreciate your comments and the fact check suggestions you send in. So keep your eyes open for any dodgy claims and I'll see you next time.